Hey, just a quick note from Ben here. This is a re-release from an episode last year. Maya is opening in several theaters and streaming on January 26, so I thought it'd be fun to re-release this episode. Social impact films are increasingly more common, something I'll highlight more as we go through season two, and Maya is a good example of a film touching on an important issue. Please like, share, and let me know on YouTube comments what you think of the episode. See you next week. Treat your audience with respect. Right. Let them make their own conclusions. Right. Show them a journey. Tell them a story. Pick. And the way I, I've always developed my projects is I tend to do a lot of research. Like for Maya, I had survivor consultants. I had trafficking detectives consulting with me. I had like, you know, various and, you know, people running NGOs, fighting trafficking and domestic abuse and overuse of alcoholism, etc. And got, you know, feedback from all of them. And I also listened to a lot of stories. And it was, I I I thought about the stories that impacted me the most. And those that, that caused an emotional reaction in me. Those were the ones that I put into the film because it's when you when you make a film, it's about what is the experience you're giving an audience, right? What is the journey that you're taking on? Is it emotionally engaging? Because you you an audience are going to invest, you know, seven bucks, ten bucks, fourteen bucks, you know, whatever the the cost of a download or um, going to the cinema is they might also be having to pay a babysitter or or parking or whatever else it is. So you you have to give them uh, an experience that is worthy of their investment. Welcome to First Time Go. I'm Benjamin Duchek. That's Julia Verdon talking about her storytelling technique. When you think of a social impact film, you may think school project. But in her new film, Maya, Julie put in the research and the dedication to her craft to make sure you'll learn something and be deeply entertained. Maya had its world premiere at the Raindance Film Festival in London in October and opens in select theaters and video on demand in late January 2024. It deals gently with the topic of sex trafficking, and some of the acting performances, especially Rumor Willis, have stuck with me, along with the score and certainly the direction. In this conversation, we discuss Julia's career, how to break into social impact filmmaking, the challenges of casting real-life, say, police officers, and the importance of keeping a positive attitude. As you'll hear from Julia, changing the world for the better is certainly difficult, but doesn't mean it can't be fun. I think I have a date. Girl, you've been holding out on us? Who win? Wow, he's hot. Meet you. Actually, meet you. Oh, shut <laughs> it. How's everything going with your mom? It's pretty bad right now. Her boyfriend is just beating on her. Does he hit you too? Get off! You're too beautiful to be covered in these bruises. Give me your phone. I'm going to put my number in. If you have any problems, you call me. Wait, you thought you were going to get rid of me? Just like that? Get out of my way! Get here as fast as you can, okay? I beg, have it, go. I'm on my way. I'll be there at five minutes. You got me to take care of you from now on. You understand? Is there any reason she would have run away? I take really good care of my... Just... 
just please help me find Maya. I got a new girl here. So breaking her in. Just don't put her on me if she starts crying, okay? I can't deal with that today. What are you gonna do? Go back to your mother? Or let a drunken boyfriend mess with you? Be her back. Did the research team run the facial recognition tech on the Garcia girl yet? Calls himself Ray. Was in contact with her on social media. Ain't it always the way? Have you ever thought of leaving? What? I, I, I didn't say that. I would never leave you. I swear. Say it louder! I never leave you! No, 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 no. He loves me. And he's gonna come find me. I know that. She's gonna really need you to be strong. I, I'll do anything. Whatever it takes. Quiet! Quiet! Stop! You need to get me more like that. She's way really young. I can't want to do this anymore. What did you say? Just, just go, go, please. Don't lose that. We'll call back up and swat on the way. The bird came oh, and no. take this entire bird Move it! Just trust me, okay? We're not making stop. You're not enjoying the party? Good day, Julia Verdon, writer and director of Maya. How are you? I'm doing very well, Benjamin. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited for you to be here. Maya is such an important film and topic, and I'm excited to talk with you about how it got made. Before we do, how did, exactly did you get involved in filmmaking? So I, I've been in the film business forever now. At least it feels like forever, and, and I'm very glad to say I still love it. I started in the business as an actress. I went to drama school. I did a lot of like TV work and film work as an actress. And I kind of fell into producing by accident and found that I was very good at that and, and stopped getting more and more involved. And then I wanted to direct. So I went back and I did an MA in filmmaking with a focus on directing and really studied that. And, and I, I was very lucky that the tutor I had used to be Ken Loach's producer. So she encouraged me in social impact filmmaking. And it's also been such, you know, I've, I've always been very interested in the, in the power of film to make a difference. And so a few years ago, I very much moved in that direction when I decided I wanted to direct. And I got more into writing screenplays too. And, and that's where I've been ever since. <laughs> that's an awesome story. Do you feel like it's a prerequisite now to be sort of a multi-hyphenate, to have that skill set? Like it'd be hard to just be a writer, just a director nowadays on getting projects done? I, I, th I think the more you can do that helps. And and I, I think... It's so difficult, you know, indie film, getting an indie film made is a challenge. It just is. <laughs> and I have huge respect for every filmmaker that manages to get a film made because it 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 is it is challenging. And you you for me, you have to be really passionate about something. And when you're really passionate about something, you're always going to find a way to make it happen because it really matters to you. And so I, I also do a lot of encouraging of other filmmakers because I do a lot in the educational space too. So I encourage other filmmakers 
in making independent films. And I, I try to encourage them to really find something, you know, a topic that they're passionate about, because I truly believe that when you are passionate about something, you're going to find a way to get it made no matter what. And that passion will carry you through because it's a lot of, it takes a lot of time and energy. And if you're not passionate about something, you'll end up kind of getting bored or, or you just won't be ready to meet those challenges or it'll be too much work or, you know, whatever it will, it'll be, but it's, it's, it'll be less likely to happen. I love that so much. I love your commitment to giving back. Do you find that that's why you're involved in social impact films? Is it you're able to engender that passion for the topic that maybe say if it was like a rom-com or some other film topic, you may not be able to have that same feeling for it? Yeah, I, th I think, I think especially, you know, for me, and I, I can only speak for myself, but I know, I know for me personally, as, as I got older, you know, I, I got, got to a point where I was thinking, how do I want to spend my next 10, 20 years? Or, you know, hopefully many more, God willing. But it's like, you know, what, what do I want to leave as my legacy, right? What do I want? What is my gift to the world? Because I feel like I've been so lucky and so blessed and I've, I've, I've had a great life and I'm really grateful for the learning, the opportunities that I have, I, the, that I'm working, doing something that I love. I have so much gratitude for that. And so I think, you know, like, right, I'm so grateful. So what can I do? You know, what, 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 what can I contribute? How can I contribute? And the, the skill I have is filmmaking. And, and so making films that help make change is something that really appealed to me. That's so inspiring. I feel like I want to go running for like five miles now after hearing that. That's so great to hear somebody just putting out so much positive energy in the world. Well, I think, I think, I think in life, we, anything that happens, we always have a choice as how are we going to look at it? Are we going to look at the positive side or are we going to look at the negative side? In my humble opinion, when you look at the positive side, you stay happy. When you look at the ne negative side, you're going to be miserable. What do you want to be? <laughs> Personally, I want to be happy. And so I, I, I find looking at the positive side of every given situation, you know, even when the situations or whatever's happened may not be, shall we say, putting a positive spin on it, ideal. Right. <laughs> right. It just you just got to make that positive, that positive choice to look to look at it in a positive way. That's so awesome to hear. So, Maya, your latest film had its world premiere at the Raindance Film Festival a few weeks ago. Can you talk a little bit about the film and what audiences should expect to see? Sure. Yeah, ab absolutely. I think, you know, I, I, we had a wonderful response at the Raindance Film Festival to the film. Audio the, the audience was very emotionally engaged. Everybody said afterwards that they were really impacted by it. It made them really want to learn more about the issue, you know, how, how social media predators are getting into our homes, how are traffickers managing to traffic our youth and all of that and also to support and and volunteer for organizations fighting this issue because our, our youth 
should not be exploited. You know, to me, a, a, abusing a 14, 15 year old girl, 16 year old girl, any age, young woman or young man or of any gender for that matter, is just not acceptable. You know, we have to get back to having a fundamental respect for everybody, for each other as, as human beings and, and not be abusive. And unfortunately, the trafficking of youth and domestic abuse are two things that have, that have risen hugely in the last couple of years. We have to educate and, and teach people more about how to avoid it. And I think in many ways, the teens, the youth themselves are the best line of defense because if you're 16, 17, 18-year-old youth today and you see that one of your friends is being groomed by a trafficker, you're probably the most likely person to notice it. And if you understand the, what, what could happen to that youth as a result of being trafficked, you are going to be so much more likely to report it to somebody in, in authority or to your parents who will then you know, take action on it. Or, you know, also for teachers, for people working with youth, you know, for anyone in that environment, I, I think it, it, it's an important film to, to, to see because film has a way of kind of like getting into your psyche that if a later stage an event was kind of happening or, or a, a social media predator was approaching you, you might just think, hmm, this reminds me of what happens happened in that film. You know what, maybe I should let someone know where I'm going or I, I shouldn't go alone, I should take a friend with me. So I, I think it'll, it'll just encourage a little bit more caution. Without giving away any spoilers, can you talk a little bit about the story of the film? Absolutely. Well, the, the film was going to be coming out in the U.S. at the end of January, 26th of January. It'll be in theaters in certain cities, and it will also all the their usual platforms. We will have all the information on our website, artistsforchange.org. I'm sure you can share it with your your group, Benjamin. Yep. And it, the the, the storyline at the core, it's a mother-daughter story. So it's about a mother who has been abandoned by her husband and got a teenage daughter. And so she's a single mom who loves her daughter and struggling to give her daughter the best education, working two jobs. And because she's suffering from low self-esteem herself, She's managed to get herself into a relationship with someone who is abusive towards her. And that abuse going on in the home affects her teenage daughter. And I, something I learned from a lot of the organizations fighting trafficking is abuse going on in the home is, is very common in youth um, that get trafficked. So, but, it, but also... Trafficking is something that can happen to anyone from any background. Unfortunately, today, as if as if you dig deep, you look at the reports online, you know, you will you will find out those facts. 
the the act of her daughter being trafficked and and, and when you know when you're a, a teenage girl and your mother's always out you know she's working two jobs to give you a good education you're not, often not able to appreciate that so Maya feels that her mother's not really there for her so she's not happy that her mother is spending time with this guy who she sees abusing her mother and that her mother doesn't see the light and won't do anything to report it and and so when this stranger approaches her online you know suddenly he becomes the 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 shoulder to cry on the sympathetic ear for all her problems and so she has him down her ear going oh dear that's terrible that that's happening i can't believe your mother's doing that and what these traffickers do is they they will they will deliberately alienate you from everyone in your inner circle so you they become your only confidant the person that you trust and rely on and there's it's called the grooming process and we see how he starts giving Maya gifts and and taking her out to nice places and buying her things and you know giving her a glamorous lifestyle so after a certain point he is able to lure her away with him and before she knows it he suddenly turns and and he turns from being tri- prince charming into this guy who is being abusive towards her but because she's familiar with abuse going on in her environment it almost seems normal so she can't see it so he, she still thinks that this guy loves her and it's her boyfriend and again this is very very common in this whole like stockholm syndrome thing of believing that your trafficker is your boyfriend makes it often very difficult even when there is a rescue opportunity the girls don't want to be rescued because they believe that they've been taught to believe that police are evil their families are evil the only person they can depend on that they can really trust is the trafficker and the trafficker is the only one that loves them it can be very hard so in my film you know we show all of that and it it is a film you know that is inspirational in some ways because i think you don't want to give an audience don't want to see a film that's depressing so this film is not depressing i will say that there's also no nudity in it or anything over gratuitous it is told in the in thriller format as it were a little bit like a film for example like taken so it is it's emotionally engaging it's got a compelling storyline and it, the mother is able to really help her daughter and be a real mother to her daughter when she has healed her own wounds and then she is able to save her you know without giving away too many spoilers to to be the mother that she always wanted to be and save her daughter and help her daughter on her own recovery journey as it were that's a great description and i'd highly recommend people go check out the film was it hard when you were making it to pitch a social impact film like do people not understand like they understand thrillers they understand like dramas comedies is social impact still at the stage where it was challenging to have to explain the concept to people or didn't or was that not an issue i i was lucky on this because i've had some success in the arena with previous films and my last film did very well 
and was seen by millions of people. And actually, I, I got some wonderful letters from parents, you know, a lot of wonderful letters from parents going, thank you so much for waiting. Oh, that's so awesome. I watched it with my teenage daughter and it was a really bonding experience for us. They now finally understand why I want them to tell me where they're going and to check in calls and all the rest of it. And and it's actually really helped build good trust between us. My my last film was a film called Angie Lost Girls. And we had a lot of good set success with that. So I think a lot of the people that had that backed this film had seen my previous film and had seen how I was able to emotionally engage an audience in a compelling way with a compelling narrative story. That gave them a level of confidence. That's awesome. How do you think people should start out in social impact? Like, you know, like you read about people starting off in comedies and they may do like stand up or they may do like comedy brigades. How do you get started in social impact films, do you think? That's a really good question, Benjamin. I think to get started in a social impact film, you want to think like, what is the story I want to tell? You know, who are the characters? And and you need to find a way without doing it through a compelling narrative. You can't hit an audience over the head. Audiences do not want to be preached at. They do not want to be lectured, Right. So, so, you know, I know for myself, when I go and see a film, if I feel like the filmmakers go, and just in case you didn't realize it, let me, let me, let me hit that point again. Or maybe you didn't quite get it. Let me hit you again. You know, I think you, I, I think I need right. to do something further to make sure you really get it. So I'm really going to bash you a few times on the head with it. It's really right. not. Right? It is. Yes. <laughs> and, and and so so I would strongly advise make sure you don't do that. Treat your audience with respect, right? Let them make their own conclusions, right? Show them a journey, tell them a story. Pick and the way I I've always developed my projects is I tend to do a lot of research. Like for Maya, I had survivor consultants. I had trafficking detectives consulting with me. I had like, you know, various, you know, people running NGOs, fighting trafficking and domestic abuse and overuse of alcoholism, etc. And got, you know, feedback from all of them. And I also listened to a lot of stories. And it was, I I I thought about the stories that impacted me the most and those that that caused an emotional reaction in me, those were the ones that I put into the film. Because it's when you when you make a film, it's about what is the experience you're giving an audience, right? What is the journey that you're taking on? Is it emotionally engaging? Because you you an audience are going to invest, you know, seven bucks, ten bucks, fourteen bucks, you know, whatever the the cost of a download or going to the cinema is they might also be having to pay a babysitter or or parking or whatever else it is. So you you have to give them an experience that is worthy of their investment, right? You can't take your audiences for granted. You have to be very respectful of the audience and you you 
before I made, you know, before I went into directing, each film I do, I look at kind of uh, do a lot of research on other films on that topic. What did they do well? What did they not do well? What are the pitfalls for me to avoid? Right. And then I also look at like audience reaction. What are the audience saying about them? So, for example, on films on trafficking, one of the big audience comments was worthy subject, but I just couldn't watch it. It was just too gratuitous. Right. So I was very careful in developing my story is not to make it gratuitous, but to go with that Hitchcock technique of letting the audience's imagination go, you know, what, what, what you don't see, but let them imagine what is happening and doing it by use of kind of sound or, or whatever. But you, you don't, I, I don't want an audience to have to spend the whole film. You know, they, they paid money to see my film. I don't want them to have to be like this, you know, hands over your eyes, head down during the whole movie. That is not a good experience, no. right? Right. If I'd, I'd spent money and I had to do that, which I'd done, by the way, right? You almost feel like asking for your money back after. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so so I, I really try to do my best in the way that I'm best able to really respect my audience and give them an experience where they're going to be able to take away some type of inspiration. They're going to learn and they're going to be emotionally engaged. And we create something that's authentic and real and going to be worthwhile for them. And I think you succeeded there. Could you only have done that because you wrote and directed the film? Like if someone else had written that and they added in like gratuitous scenes or something like that, do you think there would have been too big of a disconnect between your your vision and what was on the script i think so yes i mean i i mean listen there's a lot of great writers out there right you know if you happen to find a writer that's great and totally aligned with your sensitivity i you know personally i would love that it would save me a lot a lot of time but in terms of knowing that i want to give the an audience a certain experience i've certainly found by and also I have to tailor something to the budget that I have available and I'm able to kind of quickly adapt and change it up, you know, on an as needed basis. Definitely being able to write my own material has helped me enormously as a filmmaker. You never know what's going to happen on Angie Losgirls, for example. I cast a real cop in one of the roles and there was one day where he got called in for a really serious emergency. And so it comes to lunchtime and I'm looking like, you know, where, 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 where is he? Oh, sorry, Julia, he had an emergency, he had to go. What do you mean he had to go? He had for the day for the film. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? I'm sure whatever the emergency he was was very important. So I had to, on the spot, quickly rewrite that scene, right? On Maya... For example, there was one of the actresses that we had the day that she was due to, to play the role. It was a woman who ran one of the shelters that Maya goes into. And we had you know, quite a well-known actress who was originally going to play that role. And she tested positive for COVID. Oh, my so, God. So suddenly, I don't have her. We're on set. We've got those scenes scheduled to shoot that day. Oh, wow, you know, Julia. <laughs> get better before the end of the film. 
So what did I do? I rewrote the scene and actually I gave some of the scenes to the, the character of Rochelle in the movie. There was a lovely woman who was who was shadowing me on the film who's part of my director's group and who knew the story backwards. And I, you know, I knew from doing the directing workshops with her that she'd participated in, that she was a good actress. I had her step in and, and do it. And it and it worked out beautifully, right? It really, you watch the film, you wouldn't know. It seemed like a perfect fit. And, and I think maybe it was meant to be like that. But I was able to like rewrite and adapt. And I'm delighted with the way that it worked out. You know, so maybe it was God's will for it to happen that way. That was what was meant to be, but it was all good at the end of the day. So That's a wild story. Do you think that you would have been able to do that? Say it's your first film and you're like, you hadn't made any other films even producing. Do you think you would have been able to make those sort of corrections? Or was it just that accumulation of experience where you're sort of like, ah, okay, I can roll with whatever's coming at me. I know what to do that helped on that? I think... I Listen, I think I think it's common sense and initiative can take you a long way. You know, I am in a very lucky situation that I've produced 40 films at this point in my career. So I experience and I've had to dealt, deal with all sorts of things <laughs> over the years. Uh, but I, I think a lot of it is is what, what I found is certainly like I do a lot of meditation every morning and I really try to like, keep out of fear. I think fear for creatives is your biggest enemy. And when something happens, things are never going to go perfectly. They just aren't. There's always something on each film. There's always some type of hiccup that happens and you can never see it coming. But it's that ability to just be able to go take a deep breath. Think, hmm, this has happened. Not great. But rather than freak out about it and make it a huge drama, because dramas take a lot of time, right? What are my solutions? And to very calmly just think through possible ways that this problem can be solved. And when you keep calm like that, you're able to deal with an issue quickly, without stress, calmly. You always, it always works out better. Right. Whereas if something happens that's unexpected, might not be, you know, perfect as it were, that might rock your boat a little. If you start freaking out and going, "Oh my God, this is terrible! What are we going to do?" and you spend like the next two hours circling about how terrible that is and telling everyone what a disaster and blowing all that energy up, you're 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 just giving power to the problem. So I think I think finding ways when those when you're faced with those challenges, learning to just go, take a deep breath. All right. So this has happened. What are the different ways we could solve it? And which solution is going to be simplest, easiest, and most creatively effective? That, my friends, to me is always the better way to go. That's so inspiring. So one of the things people notice when they watch the film is the music, the score. Can you talk about how the composer came on, what that relationship was like, and what you wanted to have in terms of music for the film? 
ab- ab- absolutely. So it was, it was for, for me, music and film should underscore the emotions. And sometimes no music can be the way to go in a certain scene. I have a, had a wonderful composer on this called Michelangelo Sosnowitz. He has also worked with me on a couple of other projects, and he has a great sensitivity. And then, then we brought along on a GJ composer, songwriter, Lorenzo Calamandre, who also came up with a couple of really good tracks that worked. We worked very closely together. You know, we'll put a temp score on the film just to give him some ideas of the way that, you know, way, way what we're thinking musically. And then Michelangelo will start work on it. You know, we'll look at it together. I almost think like, is, is, is it making me feel what I wanted to feel? And usually he's such a genius, it's perfect. But where I need to give little tweaks, I, you know, we talk about it. And I normally give him, when I think this really helps, an emotional beat sheet. So it's almost I, I, I share when I make a film, I create an emotional beat sheet of what is the emotional journey that I'm taking the audience on so it's almost like as a director you're a little bit like a conductor as it were and then i i like to share that emotional beat sheet with my composer so he has an understanding of of what my intention was behind each scene and and can help and 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 support that and i've always had a great collaborative experience with michelangelo sosnowitz he's he's a really talented artist and I'm, I think the score for Maya is amazing. It truly is. So what's next for you? It must be empowering to go to work every day, being able to make a difference positively for the world. I feel so blessed every day. I literally wake up thinking, I'm so excited. What am I going to do today? What more can I do to get Maya out there or what more you know, can I do to create educational supplemental materials to go with it? One of the things that we, we, we I, I really believe that like people tend to go and see a documentary when they're already interested in a topic with a film. You have the ability to get them interested in a topic. And we usually like to create like little educational EPKs to go with our films. So once people want to know more, we have some good follow-up with them and, and also we do some educational presentations, etc. And I have another social impact film that we're in post-production on right now called No Address, which is about various individuals experiencing homelessness and how they cope. And I'm also developing a, a new social impact film too. So... It's a space that I enjoy and I feel really lucky and blessed. And I'm also really grateful for all those that have supported me on this journey and and made our films possible. We had an amazing cast in Maya who were all very committed, the wonderful Patricia Velasquez. I had a great working experience with her. She had performances. Camilla, the mother, is just so powerful. Ruma Willis, she plays one of the other girls that's trafficked. She plays Kayla. She is amazing in the film. And the young girl who plays Maya, Isabella Feliciano, 
she will blow you away. She her performance is so real, so authentic, and and it's heartbreaking. I mean, you will you will really fall in love with her. And John Franco Rodriguez, he played Ewan McGregor's boyfriend in Holston. He he is brilliant in the film. You know, he really played a, a laird abuser, as it were. And then we've got Billy Budnich, who plays Ray the Trafficker. Very good looking, very charming and hard to see coming, you know. And, and that is the thing. These, these traffickers, as, as we see in Maya, they come in all shapes and sizes, right? So if, if you met Billy, you would, might be easily be seduced by someone looking like he does and, and, and with all the charm and, and everything that he throws at Maya. That's awesome. So you mentioned earlier that you love promoting and supporting other people's projects, which I love as well. So is there an indie film director or film that you wish more people knew about? Yes, what was the name of it? Um, to Leslie, a film that I saw last year, that was really good. Suddenly kind of got, got Francis uh, Fisher and, uh, and a bunch of other actors really got behind it and really championed it. And, and that certainly helped that film get a lot more visible. And, and that was really wonderful to see. And I thought that was a great film. Awesome. So one more time, the Maya comes out in January, correct? Uh, in certain theaters in the US and available on all streaming platforms? Yes, end of January. And, and I'll, I'll send you the, the, the details of our website, Artists for Change, because we will have like a listing on there of where everyone can um, see the film. Wonderful. I highly recommend people check it out. It's a very moving, deeply emotional and important social impact film. Julia Verdon, director, writer, producer, all around great person. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me and, and wishing, wishing all your audience best of luck and, and, and thank you for listening too. Thanks for listening to the First Time Go podcast. The goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators. So if you're with me for that, please give the podcast a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. It's free and helps expand the reach for the creators on the show. Expanded membership is available through Directors Club. You get access to season one, early episodes when available, and other subscription benefits. Sign up now through Red Circle. The link is in the show notes. Check out the podcast YouTube channel if you'd like to watch a select number of episodes of the podcast and the indie film highlight posted every Sunday. Thanks again for listening and helping creators get their first time go.